anything real easy, will it? Imagine putting that on a CD. When they passed the offering plate, twice. When at fellowship, coffee is a buck and a half and donuts are a dollar. Limit one. When the church's motto is, we're getting smaller but purer. <laughs> well, we don't want to have unfriendly churches. We're talking today about fellowship and we have a, a very uh, friendly God. We have a God who likes fellowship, encourages fellowship. We're going to be talking today about the prayer of fellowship. We've talked about a number of other prayers and most of these prayers are, are real short prayers and sometimes we make those prayers so long that we bring unbelief into them. It is uh, when you're praying for things, for wisdom, for things or about situations, generally the longer you pray, the more unbelief you're going to bring in. You want to keep your prayers short. Your best example for that is Jesus. I mean, you're not going to get a better prayer than Him. His prayers are short. If you're short, you tend to not bring in a whole lot of doubt and unbelief. We tend to open up our mouth too much. You know, we sometimes have a real great opening line in, in prayer, and then we mix in all this other stuff. And we just don't need to do all that. Make sure we don't bring in the unbelief. But we're going to talk today about a, a type of prayer that you can spend a lot of time in and not get an unbelief. In fact, uh, the Word of God encourages us to be. Just a little bit of review. Some of the things we looked at so far. The most common prayer of Christians is for things. The most common prayer for Christians is for things. But most of our requests should be for wisdom. We were talking about most people want to be delivered out of a situation. They want to be, uh, they want to, I'm sorry, they want to be delivered from us. They want the situation to go away. But God wants us to take us through the situation, have us overcome it. The most abundant prayers are usually for help. Most times that you the, hear people, Christians praying, most times it's, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. <laughs> oh, I'm going down, help me, Lord. <laughs> That's the most abundant prayer in, the, in Christians today. You don't find it in the Bible very often. But you do find it in the mouths of Christians. The most abundant prayers are usually for help, but they should be for praise and thanksgiving. We were looking at that last time. We should constantly be out of our mouth, be praise and thanksgiving. When you face a, a nasty situation, a harsh situation, the first thing you ought to do is just praise and thanksgiving. Don't cry for help. Crying for help is a sign of unbelief. Did you know that? You say, no. Yeah, cry for help are a, a sign of unbelief. You want proof? Remember that Jesus was on a boat and his disciples were bailing water and they came over to Jesus and they said, Help! And what did Jesus say to them? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Jesus, or Peter is called out to Jesus and says, Let me come out in the water. He comes out in the water. And, uh, and then he starts to sink. And what's he say? Help me, Jesus! <laughs> And what's Jesus do? Reaches down, pulls him up, and what's he say to him? Why did you doubt? <laughs> you go on through the Word of God, you'll find out when people are crying out for help, just crying out for help. Not saying, Lord, we need to work on this. I'm not talking about that. I'm just, oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, it's going, we're going down. It's, it's generally unbelief. Most Christians' time in prayer is spent informing, complaining, pleading, and begging God. Right? We're telling God about our situation. Tell him how bad it is because surely he doesn't know. 
I mean, if he knew, he would do something about it, right? <laughs> Surely he doesn't know what's going on. So we spend a whole lot of time in prayer informing God about our situation. Why it's so bad, we let him know what we've done, because he's uh, obviously he's not aware. And we spend a whole lot of time informing God, or we spend time complaining to God. How many times have we sat there and said, Oh, Lord, you don't know. Oh, Lord, I've been doing this. Oh, I've been faithful. Oh, I've been this and that, and I've been studying, and I've been reading, and you know, the devil just keeps coming after me, and I keep coming under attack, and oh, it's just so hard, and people don't like me, and we sit there complaining. There's no faith in complaining. Or pleading. Oh, Lord, please do this for me. Oh, I've been working so hard for you. Please do. I just, just one thing. Just, I won't ask anything else for the rest of the year, right? <laughs> just please do this one thing for me. And we sit there, plead and plead and plead. And, uh, and the other one is begging God. If pleading doesn't get there, oh God, please, oh I beg you, please, just, just do this thing. Oh I need this, I'm gonna die if I don't get it. <laughs> right? We'll beg God with everything we can. We spend a whole lot of time in there, but most of our time in prayer should be in fellowship. Most of our time in prayer should be in fellowship. Most of our requests should be for wisdom. Most of our the abundance of our prayers should be for praise and thanksgiving. And most of our time in prayer should be in fellowship. That should take up most of your day, just fellowship with God. But we didn't want to just leave it there. We want to talk to you about what fellowship with God is in prayer. How is it that we fellowship with God in prayer? What is fellowship? What does He consider to be fellowship? What does the Bible show us about fellowship? What are all these things that, uh, that, that can help us on this? So we wanted to spend some time and look at this. So we broke it down into three sections like we do very often. When we go to prayer for the purpose of fellowship, we should always come away with a few things. There are some things that you should come away with when you go and fellowship with God. How many of you went out shopping this weekend? And you, when you went out shopping this weekend, didn't you go with a purpose, something that you wanted to come away with? You don't just go out there aimlessly. You you comb the the the, the papers, flyers, and the yeah, now they got apps. They got apps for it this year. I didn't download an app this year, and I didn't buy a paper that had any of this stuff. Usually, I buy the the Thanksgiving Day paper because it's got all those things, and we have fun, you know, just kind of going through it. And then we use it for fire starters for the rest of the year. <laughs> and it works great because you know it's a nice thick paper, and so we use that's enough paper to get us going for the whole rest of the year. I didn't get one this year, so I'm not sure what we're going to do for fire. Because <laughs> that stuff's just real good to, to light up the other stuff and, and get it going. So we'll have to find out another way to, to get that taken care of. But anyway, but you went out and you had a purpose. You had a, a, a thing that you wanted to accomplish. And, and we go into prayer with fellowship. It's not just to hang out. There's a, there's a purpose. There's a fellowship that, that's there. I know young people today, they have this thing, you know, they, they put up on Facebook. I see someone put up. Anybody want to hang out? You know, and just kind of hang out. And I'm thinking, and do what? Because <laughs> I'm always, I'm always looking, what are we doing? I know not everybody is, is that way, but I'm just kind of wired that way. If we're going to hang out, then we ought to do something. You know, play volleyball. That's always good. Um, but you, know, you can play baseball or football. Yes. If you're not going to play something, then that's, that's do something. That's uh, work on a thing. That's, because it, it's just, you know, it's, what are we going to do? Got to begin to do something. Now, we hung out uh, after uh, doing some shopping. And my wife was, uh, well, she wanted to go shopping on, on uh, Black Friday. 
And so she was going to get up at 4, 3.30 in the morning and uh, connect with my daughter, and they were going to go shopping, which is fine with me. I figured I'd just get up and go into shop, and I'd get some work done. But she woke up, and she says, I don't think I can drive over there. My knee was giving her some trouble, so I didn't get any work done. I had to drive her. <laughs> so we went on out there and, and did, some, did some shopping. But when we go into prayer, there ought to be a purpose. There ought to be a reason for going into prayer. So here's a, when we're going into prayer fellowship. Because we're not just there to hang out with God. God is not one of those people that says, you know, let's just hang out. That's not God. When God hangs out, he does stuff. He's either wiping out armies or he's, uh, you know, filling temples with his presence or he's having earthquakes that knock off um, bondages and stuff. He, he just does stuff. When you hang out with God, things happen. You don't find any time that somebody hung out with God and, and they came away with nothing. Moses went and hung out with God, got into the presence of God, and came away glowing. He got some stuff done. He went up on the mountain for 40 days. He got some stuff done. They wrote some things. Some stuff that are still here today. He even carved some of them on stone. They were doing some things. So when we go into the prayer of fellowship, what should be... What are we coming out with? What is it that we're supposed to go in there with? First off is understanding. When you go into the prayer of fellowship, you should come out. One of the things that you can come out with is understanding. There are some things you can understand. When you go into fellowship, I want you to, under, to know this. God wants you to understand stuff. How many times do we have that people hung out with God and came out with understanding? We're going to go through and look at some examples, but let's just get this part down first. First off, you're going to come out with some understanding. Now, I'm not saying you're going to come out with all these things every time that you hung out in fellowship with God. But these are some of the things that you ought to be looking for. First off is understanding. Secondly is revelation. Revelation should come. Understanding is things that you already know but haven't quite figured out yet. You, you got some things there. You, you just not quite, I, I, I know this part, but I don't quite see how all these things connect. And you need understanding on it. Revelation is stuff you didn't even know about. You had no idea about this and it just came to you. And all of a sudden, you know this stuff. I, <laughs> I know some stuff now. I didn't even know this is out there. But I got some revelation on that. That's the difference between understanding and revelation. Wisdom is knowing how to accomplish, how to, how to solve a problem. But understanding is connecting the dots. When you, uh, you see something. There have been times I've been reading over a scripture. I remember one passage in Luke. I was reading that and I said, I know that there's something here. I know it. And I meditated and I prayed in fellowship. I had times with that for days and weeks. I know there's something here. I know that, I don't know what it is yet, but I know there's something here. You just have that understanding. I know that there's something about that. I'm not, I'm not quite getting it. But you stay with it. Sometimes, you know, we understand, Father, I'm, there's something blocking my faith. I don't know what it is, but there's something blocking my faith. There's something blocking the, the, the type of relationship I want to have with you. I don't know what it is, but I know that there's something there. And so you go into the prayer of fellowship with God to have that understanding. And understanding comes when you, uh, when there's a, uh, a, a not connecting of the dots. I, I can see kind of what's going on there, but I don't quite have the understanding of it. Do you ever look at one of those paint by the numbers things? And if you look at it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But as you start to paint in the numbers and you begin to fill in, you know, the ones are this color and the twos are this color and all that sort of stuff. And as you get on down, then it all begins to, to make sense to you. Or, you know, the, the new thing on this is you ever see those, uh, I think it's a, like a holographic image. If you go up to it and you look at it, it doesn't look like anything at all. 
but they tell you, you know, focus beyond it. And if you look past it, and you don't look at it, you look past it, you let your eyes focus past it, all of a sudden you see the image that is on the, that, that uh, holographic thing. Oh, it's really cool when you get to do that. But then once you see it, you can usually figure it out. You have that understanding that's there. But then there's revelation that ought to come too. There's people who got things, they were in, in time with, with God, fellowship with Him, and all of a sudden stuff was poured out, revelation was poured out. They didn't know this before, but it was given to them. That's a thing that will come out of the prayer of fellowship. That will be there. Uh, knowledge of God. How many of y'all want to know more about God? Oh, yeah. Here's where you get it. The knowledge of God. God will reveal Himself to you. When you were dating, how did you get to know that person uh, when you were dating? I mean, sometimes, I'm not saying you married everybody you dated. Sometimes you dated some people, you got to know them, and you went away. Right? <laughs> Because you got to know some things. You said, I'm going this way. We're going in a different direction. Because some things that you saw, you didn't necessarily like. And you, but you hung out with them. And that's how you got the knowledge. By being with them, going out to dinner, talking with them on the phone, interacting, doing some things together. And you began to find out some things that were important to them. Find out if they lined up with what's important to you. The knowledge of God. You will understand who God is. Through this type of prayer. Communion with God. There's a knowledge of God, but there's also a communion with God. Not all the time when you're dating somebody is it all about knowledge. Sometimes there's just a communion time. Sometimes it's just a time of, of hanging out and developing a closeness that is, that is there. And, and we can do that with God. We can develop a closeness with, with them, a, a communion that would go on. Uh, it's not just between guys and gals. I mean, guys who go to war together. And they, they develop a communion as they, they ha- hang out and as they accomplish taking a hill or taking an airfield or defending something, there's a camaraderie that's there. There's a dependency on each other. And they build that up. And most of the time, they're building stuff up not by you know the, all the touchy-feely stuff. <laughs> they're doing stuff together. And they build a camaraderie that's there. And you'll do that with God as well. Understanding, revelation, knowledge of God, communion with God. I put it back basically this way. Basically, that we grow. Basically, we should grow. When we are in fellowship with God, this is going to be our time in growth. This is when you are going to grow with God. If you are not growing with God, more than likely, this aspect is missing. Prayer of fellowship is missing with Him. When Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17... I'm going to read it for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. We read, we've read that. We've all been encouraged many, many times to pray this in our own lives. We have prayed this in our own lives. But look at what he says there, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. That God would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. When we read this over, this is not God just saying, oh, let's just wave our magic wand and send knowledge. Send understanding. Send revelation. That's not what he does. How does it come? If God is going to do that, why doesn't it just come to everybody? There's got to be a, a part on our side that we meet him with. When you are uh, cultivating a relationship with someone, it's not one-sided. It's not just one person going after the other. 
both people are pursuing each other. And as we both pursue each other, things are, are going on. If you ever had a relationship and you, um, you were, you know, just the only one pursuing. If you were a guy and dating a gal and every time you called her up, you know, after maybe she answered, maybe sometimes go to voicemail, but she never called you. You kind of get the idea. They don't, they don't answer anymore. Then you kind of get the idea. It's one-sided and you kind of go in a different, different direction. Well, God's not about a one-sided relationship. He wants us to pursue Him. And as we pursue Him, then this thing that is being prayed is going to happen in our life. This is why this kind of stuff doesn't happen for everybody because not everybody pursues Him. Not everybody spends that time in fellowship with God. He goes on. I didn't write this in your outline, but if you want to write it down, you can. Ephesians 3 and verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. He wants people to see this fellowship of the mystery to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord to whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. God has given us boldness and he has given us access, which means you should use it. In the prayer of fellowship is where you use this access, is where you use this boldness. If you have been given access, if you have been given boldness to a thing, then you need to, to utilize it to make it work. He has given us access and he's given us boldness through faith in him. Faith is involved in the prayer of fellowship. Faith is involved in the prayer of fellowship. Understand that. You're not just there, just, uh, just hanging out. Faith, your faith is involved here. You have the ability to access God. Well, why is faith involved? Because when faith is involved, I'm saying, Father God, I'm here and I, I know I'm going to get some understanding on some stuff. I believe God. I'm going to get some understanding. I believe God. I'm going to get some revelation. I'm going to get some knowledge of God I didn't have before. My communion with God is going to grow. There's faith in that. Faith to receive things. If, if you don't have faith, what will you receive from God? Nothing, the Word of God says. Does nothing include no revelation? Does nothing include no understanding? Does nothing include no communion? No knowledge of God? That's all part of nothing, isn't it? So if you're going to get those things, your faith has to be involved. In order for your faith to be involved, I must know to expect it. Right? You didn't know to have faith to believe God for a thing until you knew that Jesus Christ provided healing and it was the will of God that you be healed. Then your faith could access the thing. But you had to know it was there. If you go into the prayer of fellowship and don't know that these things are there, your faith can't get activated. If your faith isn't going to be activated, what are you going to receive from God? Nothing. So most people, most Christians neglect the prayer of fellowship because they have received nothing. But they don't know what to receive. Because we don't know what to receive, we don't have faith for it, and we receive nothing. We're having the prayer of fellowship without faith. But faith is involved. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. you got to have that boldness. You've got to have that confidence that's there. 
You got to have that, that, that stuff has to go on. Now, how many of y'all know when we grow up, some of us had great boldness, some of us had little boldness. And you know, especially in, in dating, boldness is required. <laughs> right? If you're not bold, you don't get anywhere. I've, I, I, I was not a bold person when it came to dating. And I dated very few people for the simple reason. I didn't ask anybody. Because <laughs> I wasn't bold. I was timid. I was afraid to, 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 to talk to girls. I figured most of them didn't like me anyway. Saw myself as ugly. And I just, uh, I did. I did. I just stayed away from it all. I just didn't go anywhere. I went through all high school and didn't date a single person. There was one girl we actually considered ourselves to be dated because we sat together in church when I was in junior high. That's right. <laughs> that was it. It was until my senior year in high school that I finally dated someone. And it was only because she asked me. That was it. And so, there's not much that happened in that way. I went to college, and I hid behind the excuse, well, I'm not going to date and train. I really didn't want to date and train, but I hid behind the excuse, I'm not going to date and train at the same time. So I dated no one. I trained all the time. I took one week off after each season, and then went back into training. Now, a week off meant I didn't do intervals. I still ran. I ran 8, 10 miles every single day. There was no day I wasn't running that much. I just That's what I did. But I just hid behind that, and this is why I went to college, and I figured, well, they don't want anything to do with me. That's fine. <laughs> and, and so I didn't have anything to do with them either. And I just kind of went on that way. And um, I remember one time, I went back for, I hardly ever went back for a reunion. Why? Why should you go back? No one really cared about you. <laughs> I went back for a reunion one time, and um, there was a, a bunch of, I was getting bolder by this point. Because uh, it, it was like five, six years afterwards, but I, I've gotten a, a little bit bolder. And I went out there, and there's a, a bunch of girls that were sitting over there, and I knew their faces from, from being out there. And so I went over there, and I went over, and I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Steve. And I didn't usually do that when I was going to school out there, but hi, I'm Steve, and, and, and talk with them. And the one girl, I remember, I remember her face, but I remember what she said. She said, oh, I remember you. I never would forget your eyes. <laughs> now, see, I never thought anybody would even look at them. And so because of it, I didn't, have, I didn't have access because I had no boldness. I had no faith and no confidence that any of that was going to work. And I just figured, well, you know, they probably don't want to do anything with me. It, and that's how people go into the fellowship with God. Well, God doesn't really want to have anything to do with me. And they don't expect anything out. Well, God doesn't want to tell me anything. And, and, and we just don't do it. I remember the first time I actually I, I determined inside myself, I'm going to ask this person out. I remember. I had already gone through college, graduated from college, been working a couple, finally got to the point where I asked somebody out. And you know what they said? They said, yes. <laughs> and we went out for a couple of months and, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. They went their way and I went my way. We realized that there wasn't a whole lot that was going on here. And so that was, that was uh, pretty much it. But I was bolder after that. Then I started asking people out. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, quite as bad after that. But I stood in that date to all that many girls. I think five was the total before I met, uh, before I met my wife, Connie, and we got married, and, and, uh, and that was it. But, but you see, you don't have access because you don't have faith, you don't have confidence. In the same way that 
it keeps us from having confidence with other people. Keeps us from having confidence with God. Because I don't think God really wants anything to do with me. I really don't think God likes me. I don't think God wants to hang out with me. What would God want to give me knowledge for? Why would he want to speak to me about stuff? But God does. He's looking around for people that he can speak to these things about. But you've got to have that access. Further down in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How does that happen? When you spend time in the prayer of fellowship by faith accessing His presence by faith getting what you went in there for and what God wants to give. Understanding. Revelation. Knowledge of Him. I put this in there. This sounds really profound. I looked it up on the internet because I was thinking, I must have heard this from somebody, but I couldn't find it. So if you hear anything like it, then I probably just heard it from somebody. But otherwise, (laughs) this is it. What costs us nothing, we are more apt to regard poorly. What costs us much, we are compelled to cherish greatly. What costs us nothing, we are more apt to regard poorly. What costs us much, we are compelled to to cherish greatly. If what God gives you doesn't cost you anything, you won't treat it as much. It's got to cost you something. It cost Him something. It cost Him His Son because through Jesus Christ is how you can get all that. It cost Him something great. But you need to have that. You need to understand. If it doesn't cost you anything, you're not going to treat it very, very well. You're not going to look very highly at it. But God wants you to to see when revelation, when understanding, when these things come to you, oh, it's cherish it. It was a great cost that God got that for you. God gave you access for it. You need to understand, it took the life of His Son in order to bring that access to you so that you can go in and have this fellowship with Him and receive this stuff. So just put the time in. Use your faith. Believe God to get these things. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You were called into the fellowship of Him. The fellowship of His Son. That was a calling that's on your life. In 1 John 1 verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has, was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light And in him is no darkness at all. God is what? Light. Light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light 
as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light is communing, is fellowshipping with Jesus. He is in the light. We need to get in the light. When we operate in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We all know that one. Of course, we all find exceptions. Any unbeliever except this one. Because they have promise. They have hope. Whatever it might be. (laughs) For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? He is of the light. We're going to have communion with Him. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The communion of the Holy Spirit. There is a communion. There is a fellowship that is there. Part of your prayer life is to be this type of prayer. We're called for it. I want to give you some examples on this. Adam and Eve, you may remember them. They used to walk with God in the garden. But now when you go walking with somebody in the garden... What kind of things are you talking about? Maybe they talked about the weather. I wonder if it's going to rain today. Oh, wait, it didn't rain. Uh, I wonder if it's going to be cold today. No, it wasn't cold. I wonder if it's going to be hot today. It was not hot. It's always the same temperature. Never a rainy day. I wonder if it's going to be sunny today. No, there's a ferment around the earth. Just lets the warmth of the sun come through. No sunburn. So when they're walking around, they're not talking about the weather. Adam's already named everything. They're not talking about that stuff. What are they talking about? Well, if you're Adam and you're walking with God, would you have some questions? Man, this earth is neat. But what, what was here before? Where did it come from? What did you make it out of? How was it that it's staying together? What's out beyond the earth? What are those, those, uh, what are those lights that are up there? You know, maybe you can see some lights coming on through, some, some, some strong light with the sun, some other light with the moon. What are those things? Where'd they come from? I, I see birds flying in here. Can we fly? I, I'm sure he had all kinds of questions to, to ask about, and I'll bet you God gave it to him. He was a pretty intelligent guy. So they're walking and talking. Oh, they with the, oh God's going to be here real, real soon. Oh, what kind of things can we ask him today? And they came out of those times when they were talking with some understanding, with some revelation. And they passed it on to other people. They passed it on to their kids. And their kids passed it on to their kids. And some of those kids wrote it down so that we could read it now. Amen. Glory to God for that, huh? How do we know about all the, the creation story? How is it that the, the, the Genesis 1 got written? Did Moses know that God created the earth in seven days? How did, how did it get written? Well, Adam must, and Adam must have asked, and God says, well, I created it in seven days. First day I did this, 
Second day I did this. Third day I did this. And then he passed it on down and he passed it on down and he passed it on down. And Moses finally got around to writing it down. All that stuff just passed on. Well, it's because Adam asked some questions. He understood something. He came out of those meetings with God with some stuff. Enoch. Chapter, Genesis chapter 5 verse 22. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So apparently he had a lot of walks with God too. And one of those times, I heard it put this way. I love the way it was put. I don't know if it's actually true or not, but I thought it was great. <laughs> there, he's walking with God and he says, well, I better get on back. And God says, well, you know what? We're closer to my house than yours. Have you just come on home with me? <laughs> I don't know if that's what happened or not, but it sure sounds good. But Enoch was asking God some questions too. And he learned some things. And there's a book of Enoch with all kinds of predictions about stuff that happens. And a lot of that stuff we found out came true. But one of the things that's interesting, and you may remember this, Methuselah, Enoch named Methuselah because that's his son. Most most dads are involved in the naming of their children. And Methuselah means it will come when he is gone. And if you go through the genealogies, you know those boring things that nobody likes to deal with. And you you figure it all out. You find out that Methuselah died in the year of the flood. He didn't die by the flood. He died in the year of the flood. And his name was a prophetic name. It will come when he is gone. And so all the kids, all of uh, Noah's kids knew Methuselah. And so they know as long as Methuselah is here, it's not coming. But as soon as Methuselah dies, then the word comes back to Noah and the kids. Methuselah died. What? Methuselah's dead? Man, it's, we got it. We got to step this up and it's coming. <laughs> it's coming now. Because they knew of, of this. And in, how did he not get that? Walking with God. God told him some stuff. It's going to happen. And he's just, and that, he just knows. Enoch, that boy you just had, when he dies, the earth is going to be flooded because of a judgment. And so Enoch named his son. It will come when he is gone. Because God said, when he dies, it's going to happen. And so all these years, they're waiting for Methuselah to die. And who's the guy who lived the longest? Methuselah. <laughs> Methuselah. So you, get, you can derive a couple of things from that. One, Noah was a little slow and needed more time to get the work done. That could be a, that could be a, a way about it. God was holding out for, 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 for stuff, but except that the only problem with that is it's, it's like God wanted more people to get on board. But he didn't. The ark was only meant for Noah and his family because they were the only ones who were perfect in their generations. He was not judging just sin. He was judging the, uh, the lineage of fallen angels that had mingled their blood with the blood of people. And they had to die, otherwise the Messiah's blood would be mingled. Now, that's a whole lesson in itself. Don't have time for all that. <laughs> but Enoch knew. How did he know that? Walking with God. He learned some stuff. He learned some things about God. He wrote some of those things down. He learned some things about things that were to come. He wrote some of those things down. He named his child after one of the things that was going to happen. Daniel. He had fellowship 
with God. And during those times of fellowship, what came to him? He's out there having fellowship. How do you know he's having fellowship? Because Daniel himself said, I have three times that I will separate myself and pray. And he's going to have fellowship with God. Three times during the day. And nothing stopped him from doing that. Not even a decree by the king. He continued to do that. Now that year, we told you before, that year that he had the decree by the king and, and he still went into it. He knew that the decree was signed. He still went in it just like he knew it was a test. And that was the year he got the greatest revelation on the end times. Daniel chapter 9, I believe, is where you find it. Is the revelation. It'll say in the first year, or the, it'll say the same year that he was uh, thrown into the lion's den by the year that the, of the king. I didn't look all that up. And that revelation may have come to him in the lion's den. It may have come afterward. I don't know. But I know it came during that year because he tells us it did. He's fellowship with God. He's having that time of, of just being with God, fellowshipping with Him. This is something we need to do, isn't it? Look at what Daniel got from it. Dreams and interpretations of dreams and things that were to come. One time he was studying the Word of God and found out, oh, according to this, our, our time of captivity is done. Hmm. So what's next? And he set out to find out from God. And so he, he set out to, he set out to pray in fellowship with God. I need to find out what's going on in here. What happens next? And as soon as he prayed, what happened? The answer was sent. But it took three weeks to get to him because it was so important that the uh, enemy wanted to hold it up. So Gabriel was bringing the message. Michael had to come along, help out with the battle. Gabriel came on down, delivered the message. So I got to get back. <laughs> I got to help, help fight here. <laughs> I got a, a big thing started up just because you've made this prayer. And I got to go after it and finish it. But the message already got through. Apparently the fight was still going on. Did you ever see those uh, football games? And, you know, they start a fight during the play. And afterwards it keeps going. Well, why? The play's over. Well, they, sometimes you start something that just don't stop. You know? <laughs> it just keeps on going. And that apparently is what happened there with Daniel. He started something, and that fight got going, and uh, I don't know how long it took to stop it. It took three weeks till the answer got through, and it may have gone on for a couple of weeks after that. We don't know. Was there a referee to blow the whistle? That's something you can ask when you get to heaven. Did anybody blow the whistle? <laughs> Did somebody just get done? You know, they, if you ever watch hockey, hockey fans don't like it when the, the refs uh, stop the fight. I like to see the fight keep going on, but you know they have a, they have rules about the fight. They'll let the fight continue on until somebody goes down, and somebody goes down the ice, and they all jump in. They try and pull them apart. Of course, they only have what four referees out there, and they got a lot more players. And sometimes all the players get involved. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> There's not enough referees there. So Daniel he started something, but he kept getting revelation. You would think after one or two of those, he'd be, wow, this is great. doesn't get any better than this. I might as well not spend any more time. Nope, he kept spending more time. And he kept getting more revelation and more understanding. And he kept writing it down. Glory to God for that. We got that stuff because of it. The whole thing of the wise men following the, the star came from Daniel. There's one little obscure verse that if you read it before, you wouldn't even be following no star. Daniel got some kind of revelation on it and taught it to the wise men. Because he was the head of the wise men. And they all knew to look for the star. There was no one in Israel looking for the star. The only ones were, were Daniel's wise men. That's it. 
How about David? What happened in David's time of communion with God when he was watching the sheep? Kind of boring sitting there watching sheep. It's up there with watching paint dry. Yeah, watching the grass grow. If you're me, watching soccer. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. You know. I'm just good. For some of you, watching football is boring. You can just talk about it like that. But we have those things where it doesn't just, it just doesn't engage you. And, uh, you know, watching sheep is not very engaging. Now, when a lion shows up, that's engaging. <laughs> when a bear shows up, that's engaging. Yeah, you're up there for that one. But uh, not so much for all the other stuff. You know, just watching sheep eat grass is no much more, not much more fun than watching grass grow. So he, he's got some time to commune. Well, he learned to play a harp, so he's out there probably playing the harp, not for the bread of the sheep. We don't know that sheep like harp music. They may be more country. They don't know. They're sheep out there in the country. Maybe they like country music. They don't really seem the type to go for rock and roll. At least I don't think so. They just don't seem to quite have the beat. You ever see a, a, sh- a sheep get moving? Not me. Nope. Nope. I mean, maybe they can stomp their hoof here a little bit. That's why I think they're probably more on country. But I, I don't think you play country music on a harp. So David's not really playing the music for the sheep. <laughs> He's playing for himself. He's in communion with God. He's having some fellowship time with God. What kind of things does he get there? He gets songs. God gave him songs. How do you know that? Because he wrote them down. <laughs> we got a whole book of, of psalms. A lot of them came from David. He's sitting there just having some fellowship time with God and God gave him songs. And he wrote them down. Put them right into the book for us to read. And now we don't know the tune. Let's get up to heaven. David's probably playing it again up there. Could be on, you know, the, the top 100 hits in heaven. I don't know what they have up there, but David's probably over there playing some of them now. But he's communion with God. He's fellowshipping with God. And he's getting stuff. Do you know who wrote some very prophetic things about Messiah? David. David wrote all kinds of prophetic things about the Messiah. Where did he get it from? Time of communion and fellowship. God told him some things about what the Messiah was going to be. Some things about his birth. Some things about his life. David knew this. David wrote it down in the Psalms. We have some very prophetic things about Messiah in the Psalms. Came from David. Because he's spending time in communion. He's spending time in fellowship with the Father. And he's expecting to get stuff. Did he get it? Sure did. Well, that was Old Testament. Yeah, they had faith for what was going to happen. We have faith for what has happened. Either way, it gave, it gave us access. How about Paul? Where did Paul learn so much about the New Covenant? How did Paul get so much about the church age? Where did he get all that from? He learned about communion and fellowshipping with God. He taught people about it. We read some of his verses on it. He learned about communion and fellowship with God. And he was away by himself. Fellowship with God. He writes about it. He says, I don't know in the, in the body or out of the body. God knows. And he said, I was, I was caught up into the third heaven. And God sat there and instructed him on stuff. Taught him about things. And he wrote them down. 
He wrote some very prophetic things down. There were things that were to happen. He wrote some uh, some things about understanding of God. He connected a whole lot of dots. There was some stuff in the Old Testament that we didn't know how to connect all the dots, and Paul got the connection. He said this stuff was revealed, but it was hidden. All the stuff is in there, but now God showed me how that all makes sense and what it points to today. And he began to teach about it. And he taught the, that God was supposed to go out to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. Paul got all this. How did he get it? Prayer of communion. Prayer of fellowship. Spending time in fellowship with God. How about Peter? Where did he get his revelations from? Did Peter come up with some revelations? He got a couple things, didn't he? Sure he did. Remember Peter in the when he was going around with Jesus? He's always opening his mouth and saying the wrong thing. I mean, he'd just say it the wrong way. He was kind of like the Joe Biden of Jesus' day. You know, because Joe Biden, every time he opens his mouth, he I know he doesn't mean to say it the way that he does. At least I don't think so. But he just says stuff in the absolute wrong way. And you think, oh, man. And he's just done that all of his life. Well, Peter stopped. I mean, he started doing it. He was that way for a while. But all of a sudden, when you get to Peter in the book of Acts and forward, he doesn't do that anymore. He's not opening his mouth and inserting his foot anymore. He's saying good things. He comes out in the day of Pentecost and preaches a message and 5,000 people get saved. That's pretty good, isn't it? When was the last time you preached and 5,000 people got saved? <laughs> He's doing all right. He was bold. In the uh, going with Jesus, he wasn't bold. He was bold sometimes for the wrong things, but then when it came time to be bold for the right things, he was timid. I don't know him. He starts cussing. He was up there on the roof one day. What's he doing up in the roof by himself? Fellowshipping. Meditating on the things of God. Pondering some things. And then all of a sudden came this vision. And God lowered all these unclean foods in front of him. And God said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, but Lord, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. What I have called clean, don't call unclean. And he said that happened three times. And right after that was done, there was a knock at the door. And some people came. They were Gentiles. We want you to come and preach the message to us. Then all of a sudden, he understood. God is saying the Gentiles are not unclean anymore. And I need to go and preach. And so he went. And he even told them. He says, uh, the reason I'm here is because just before you got there, I had this vision. I didn't know what it meant then, but I know what it meant now. How do you get that stuff? In fellowship. Meditating with God. Are you ready for another one? How about John? Now, John, he's one of the brothers that when they leave a city and they didn't receive him real well, what's he say? Man, let's come back here again. Maybe they'll be more ready for it down the road. What's he say? Shall we shake the dust from our feet, call down fire from heaven, burn them all out? <laughs> no, 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 we're not going to do that. That's not what we're here to do. And then John went out and wrote the epistle of First John, which is the foremost letter on walking in love that we have. How does a guy who's ready to burn people because they didn't receive their message turn into a guy who was ready to write the letter of 1 John? 
How does he get to that place? How does he get all that understanding? Prayer of fellowship. Spending time with God. Letting God minister to him. He was put on the island of Patmos. Now, if you know the story behind it, the story behind it, the reason they put him on the island was because they tried to boil him in oil and he didn't boil. They loaded him down into the vat and he came out. So, you know, if you can't kill a guy, what are you going to do? <clears throat> we tried to kill him, it just didn't work. You know, when, uh, when it happened with Daniel's buddies, they said, uh, oh, wow, this is God. When it happened with John, they said, man, we got to hide this. <laughs> and so they put John on the island of Patmos and um, they isolated him. Now, that's not a real neat place out there and there was no, uh, you know, there, there's no lunch being served. You got to look around for your own food. I guess they kind of hope that you don't find enough and eventually just kind of die. But he didn't die. He stayed right on out there and just stayed on the island. Uh, there was no way to get off the island. You could see some areas of land way, way off in the distance, but you couldn't necessarily get there. So they felt like it was pretty, pretty safe. So he's out there on the island of Patmos, all isolated, all by himself. And um, God comes down, gives him the book of Revelation. Gives him the letters to the seven churches. Why? Because he's not over there complaining and murmuring and griping. What's he doing? Fellowship with God. Man, God, this is great. They gave me all this time just to sit here and pray and meditate on you. And God calls him up to heaven. Now, he, God broke the rules. I want you to understand that. God broke the rules. He was not supposed to leave the island. And God took him up to heaven. We'll have to take that up when we get up to heaven, I guess. But in <laughs> chapter 1, verse 9 of Revelation, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, I want you to see what he's saying here. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, the Sabbath. He's identifying which day he was in the Spirit, which means... He was in the Spirit in some other days too. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This particular day I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega and the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, out of John's mouth does not come the words, but I'm isolated on an island. Again, he's in the spirit. He's not in the flesh. In the flesh, you'd respond that way. In the spirit, okay, we'll take it to him. If God tells you to do something, there's going to be a way to get it done. You don't worry about the way. God came down to Mary. She had a little, she was a little bit in the flesh there. How's this going to happen? How's this going to be? Finally, she says, all right, be it unto me as you, as you said it. But uh, John's all the way in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and God told him to do this thing. All right, we'll get it done. We'll write it down. And he begins writing the letters to the seven churches. He was then called up into heaven, and he was shown the tribulation. Now, understand, he didn't see a vision of what would happen. He saw the tribulation. There's only, there's, it's not like God did a dry run. Let's do a practice run. Make sure we get it right. Let's let John watch. We're just going to kind of do a practice run on the tribulation. We want to see if we get it down right and then we're ready to... No, God doesn't need practice. God gets it right the first time every time. 
He's perfect. So when he called John up, he called John up not only up to heaven, but also to the future. And he watched the tribulation. I think this is the neatest part of the book of Revelation. I tell this to people all the time when I'm out there with them because they all think Revelation is the hardest book in the Bible to understand. You all know I've told you differently. And some of you believe me, some of you don't. But I think Revelation is the easiest book in the Bible to understand. It is the only one that is history. All history. We're not teaching doctrine. We're teaching history. This is what happened. But you just got to understand it's the only book that is not written on this world. Every other book is written here on the earth. That's the only book that is not. It is written in heaven. And so it doesn't, doesn't follow our rules. It follows God's rules. It follows heaven's rules. And in heaven, things operate a little bit differently. Because when you go through this and you go through the book of Revelation, it looks like it all happened in a couple of hours. It's seven years. And it don't seem like it was that long. What's real neat is we all get to watch John write the book of Revelation. So if you know it real good, you'll know what he's writing. <laughs> but you got to know it. You're all going to be standing there. Remember all that, the company of hosts that's all around? That's you. Provided you know you're born again and go on in the first load. If you're on the second train, you won't be there. That's all first train people. So we want to make sure we get on that one. But John spent some time fellowshipping with God. Learning about God. Uh, we, could, we could be here all day talking about Isaiah. Talking about Jeremiah. Talking about Elijah. We could just keep on going with one after another. These are people who fellowship with God. And heard stuff. Learned stuff. And came on out and, and shared it. This is where we need to get it from. But what does, what is the prayer of fellowship? Now, it would be no good for you if I tell you all to go out here and be in the prayer of fellowship and don't tell you what it involves. If you just say, well, I just need to get out there, we need the fellowship. You know, that's as bad as telling, you know, some guy out there, go out there and date some girl and you, you pick her up and you take her out to a restaurant and now what? <laughs> you know, you gotta learn how to talk to a girl. You know, if all you know how to do is talk to a guy, you're in bad shape. <laughs> That's, that's just not going to work. You got to learn how to talk differently. You know, some, I never did this, but some, some guys, when they all get together, they, they make noises that are not conducive to being at a restaurant with a girl. <laughs> I was never one of those guys. I just, I wasn't that. So, you know, there'll be some of these guys out there that have a burping contest. I didn't win because I didn't enter. <laughs> I just didn't do it. But the, So I didn't have to unlearn that activity when I went out with, with a girl. Didn't have to do that. But uh, sometimes we, we need to, to unlearn some stuff. I've, uh, I've told people, you know, if you're going to go out on a first date with somebody, don't order spaghetti. That's a bad first date food. Which is tough because that's my favorite food. So I adjusted. I learned how to eat penne. And so I went from loving spaghetti as my number one food to now penne is my number one food. I like it better than spaghetti because it's neater. It tastes the same. It's just neater. So I adjusted. Also, don't go out and have uh, uh, crabs. Crab legs. Bad, bad first date food. That is not a good one at all. You're spraying water on each other. And 
You know, any food that you need bibs for, this is not a good first date food. You know, you get to know each other a little bit better before you go out for, for stuff like that. <laughs> you, you don't want to be doing it. You got a certain etiquette that you got to have there. Uh, and, and if you're the guy, make sure that you find out the prices of the restaurant so that when you go there to pay for the meal, you don't have to use her card. Because <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> so these are just things you want to make sure that you do. <laughs> You know, make sure you know that what's on the menu and be ready to buy the most expensive thing. I'm not saying that they're going to order the most expensive thing, but you'd be ready to buy it so it doesn't come to a surprise. You don't want to go to a restaurant and be saying, oh, don't buy it. Oh, please don't buy that. <laughs> That's not good. And then you just get the soup. Man, if the girl out eats you on the first date, you are in serious trouble. Serious trouble. Not only because you shouldn't be out eating, but you're going to make that girl feel bad. Man, I out-ate him. That's not, that's not the way it should be. So there's a lot of these kind of things. You know, we need to pass this wisdom on to, to the children. And let them know <laughs> what, uh, what not to do. When you're out there on the first date, don't talk about yourself. That's a bad thing. If all you're doing is talking about yourself, guy or gal, ask questions. That's always best. Don't sit there and talk about yourself. Tell them about all the accomplishments you did, all the touchdowns you scored, or whatever else it might be. Don't do that. That's not, you won't be, probably won't be having a second date. First date's all you're going to get. <laughs> you got to show some interest in the other person. And that's it. And that's kind of the same thing with God. There's some rules that are, that are, that are there. There's some things that ought to be involved in, in what's going on with, uh, with that, almost like a first date. You know, when you have a first date with, with somebody, there's some, some things. There, there ought to be some starters, some conversation starters you ought to have. What kind of things do you say to start up a conversation with somebody you don't know? That's, uh, that's intimidating to a lot of people. It was intimidating to me. Now it's not. I go up to people I don't know all the time just for the fun of starting conversations. But I'm married now, so I just do it with guys. <laughs> uh, that's it, you know. <laughs> I don't go out there starting conversations with women. I, I don't need to do that. I don't, I don't need the problems that come along with that. We just, uh, just go out there and start conversations with guys. That just works out a whole lot better. But you need to, you know, you have some practice for that. And you ought to find some friends, you know, you can, uh, maybe they'll help you out with that to, to do all that. Because you don't want to learn on somebody else. You know, you can have some of those starter girlfriends where you just kind of, you know, make all the mistakes here. And then, you know, when you get out there for the real thing, you do better. But um, <laughs> just be careful. You got to learn. You got to develop. Don't make them adjust just to you. You got to adjust to them. When you're when you're trying to start relationships like that, you got to learn how to adjust to what they want and what they need. And it's the same thing with God. If you're going to have a fellowship with Him, don't expect Him to do all the adjusting to you. You got to adjust to Him. What kind of things is God looking for in this fellowship time? Because I'm coming into this fellowship time for a certain thing. I want to come into this fellowship time because I want to get some revelation. I want to get some understanding. There's some things I want to come out of this with. If I want to come out of something that God has, then I need to do what it is that God wants. If you want to have a second date with somebody, then you need to find out what kind of things are bad to do in the first date. So that you don't do them and that you can have a second date. And if you want to have a third date, then you need to find out what are some things that I could do bad on the second date. And you got to learn this kind of stuff so that you don't 
duplicate the problem. Well, we keep duplicating the problem because we keep thinking God is the one who's going to adjust to me. Well, God, I'm here. Do something. <laughs> you know, you show up on a first date with somebody. Well, I showed up. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Come on, I see some appreciation. I showed up. No, that's not going to go over real well, is it? You'll be left at the restaurant by yourself. <laughs> Won't even count as a first date. No, we got to make sure. What is it that God wants? What is it that God wants to do? When you go Christmas season, when you go out shopping for Christmas stuff, what you got to do? Buy what you want? I mean, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> Buy what you want, give it to them. If they don't want it, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strategy. You can go that way. But that's not necessarily going to work. You're not going to have a whole lot of uh, happy faces on it. You know, you gotta, you gotta think about the people that are involved. What kind of things do they want? You can ask them. That's a, that's a good way to go. You know, just ask them what do you want. Or you can try and figure it out. That's always fun. It is risky. It's kind of risky on that. And, um, you know, you just gotta be careful because you can come home with the wrong thing and think it's real good. You know, for a while we thought vacuum cleaners were a good present. <laughs> no, that's not a good present. Don't do that. Um, you know, the, the whole TV series of the A-Team? No, that wasn't a great present either. <laughs> well, there's, some, there's some things that you just don't... You, know, you can't. You got to match the gift for the person. What kind of things do they like? What kind of things do they want? What kind of things would they wear? What kind of things would they listen to? You know, if I'm going to buy a present for Nikolai, I'd go out and find the... You know, Greatest hits for country music. <laughs> of course, that's only if I want to have an extra one in my collection. <laughs> he don't like country music. <laughs> so you know, you don't, you, you got to know what they what they want. You got to know what God wants. You got to have some some things to start off with. You got to go through the Word of God and find out what is it that I start with in the area of fellowship. As you go through, you're going to learn more. And as you you uh, have more of those first dates and second dates and third dates, you're going to understand more about about the things that are, are there. I remember my wife and I, our first date, we went to a place. I, I broke some of the rules. Of course, it wasn't really a first date. We went on to, we were, we were meeting at a restaurant, but we weren't really on a date. <clears throat> you can ask her. She'll stand right by it. It was not a date. And so, uh, you know, I, I was picking her up at her house. And so uh, I picked her up and I was saying, well, what's around her house? And I picked this, this restaurant. It's no longer there. They burned it down. Tore it down. They did something. It's gone. It's a, it's a gas station there now or something like that. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we picked this restaurant. And so, um, uh, you know, like I said, remember that part I told you? Find out what's on the menu. That's why. It's important. You find out what's on the menu. And also you find out what kind of restaurant it is. Because I went in there, you know, casual. And I found out I was underdressed. It was, it was a very nice restaurant. <laughs> Well, my wife lived near there, and she knew it was a very nice restaurant. She kind of surprised you can take me over there. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a nice restaurant. So she got a little bit more dressed up than I did. And um, I walked in, and I could tell immediately when someone greets you with a tuxedo, you are in trouble. You probably did not dress up right. right. <laughs> so he greeted me in that way, and I'm thinking, oh, man. <laughs> I did not wear a tie that day. 
and wish that I had. So, you know, you, you're, there are some things you want to you do. So we, we met there and we had uh, dinner and fortunately I was able to pay for it. That's always a good thing. Didn't run into that problem, but you do want to check out some of those things. But we've got to find out what is it that God wants. When we show up with God, what is he looking for? If I know what he's looking for and I do these things, then the time is going to go a whole lot better. You know, sometimes when we're out there and you, if you have some friends who know people, and you're going to have a first date with a, if I was going to have a first date with a girl, and I had some friends who knew some of her girlfriends, what are we doing? Can you find out what is he like? What kind of things? He, we're always, you know, having the spies go out. <laughs> Spy out the land. See if it is a good land. Or, or what's there going on in there. And you know, what kind of thing? Do they like this? Do they like to talk about this? Do they like sports? No, they don't like sports. Oh, okay, well, we won't do that then. And you, you got to find out. You know, what kind of things are going on? And if you have kind of like the heads up knowledge, because they don't all write books about themselves. You can't go out to the bookstore and find the cliff notes on dating so-and-so. It's not there. So you got to kind of you know, send out the spies and, and find out some stuff. If we all just knew, what does God expect when I show up? We'd be in a whole lot better shape. Wouldn't we? Do we have time to get into this or we just put this off till next week? <laughs> no, nah, we'll get into it here now. People were yelling at me last week because I said I got out early. I said it was my. F- I didn't say who. You didn't. You didn't have to reveal yourself. I didn't. I didn't tell nobody it was you. You did. I'm okay. <laughs> no, Ethel and I. We have fun with each other like that. We're. we're we've been around each other long enough. We're good. <laughs> but she wasn't the only one. I had a lot of people say you let us. You you gypped us. You know, so we got to make sure we go long enough. Uh, well, here's what the, the prayer of fellowship involves. Three, I just put three things in there. If you can focus on these three things, you will have a very good time of fellowship with the Lord. Okay. And it will come out and be beneficial. Okay. Now, I did this progressively. I did this with the things that are easiest to talk about. How many of y'all know when we go on, we're having a first date with somebody, there are some things that are easy to talk about and there are some things that are not. Generally, first date, if you don't have any spies, you're able to send that ahead of time. Politics is not a good thing because people get passionate about politics and you can get the person mad or upset before the dinner's even, before dessert is even served. They don't want to talk to you anymore. And so you don't want to do that. So politics is usually a good idea to stay away from. You know, you can find out some things about their family. That's always a good thing. You know, uh, from where they grew up, these are all easy things to get into where they went to school, what they, uh, what interest they had in school. These are all good things to do. These are all good starter questions. These are things that can spur other things to go on. Uh, but politics is not so good. Sometimes sports is a little too tough. Either they're not interested or they are interested and they're interested in the wrong teams. Either way, it won't end well. So, you know, that's what you should spy out the land first before you get into that. Find out, are they an Eagles fan or are they a Pittsburgh or a Dallas fan or a New York fan? You know, we got to find these things out because you don't want to be just messing with fire there. So three things. Here's the first one. This is the easiest one. You want a prayer or fellowship? This is the easiest thing to get into. This is a nice starter area. Starter area. If you just want to kind of get in there and get your feet wet, fellowship with God. First area is praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is a prayer of fellowship. When you pray in tongues, 
You're not going to say anything that offends God. Right? Because who gives you the inspiration? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not going to have you say anything. It's going to offend God. So it's real good. You'll come out of that time with real good, real good parts, uh, all, all built up in there because the Word of God tells us in Jude that we build ourselves up by praying in the Spirit. And so let the Holy Spirit lead you in this. You'll pray mysteries. You'll pray things you don't know. Uh, the only thing is faith is not real involved in this. And if you want to receive stuff from God, your faith has to be engaged. Star Trek, you know, engage. That's the Picard thing. I don't think anybody else did that one, but we, we got to get our faith engaged. Tongues won't engage your faith as much. Engage it some, but it doesn't engage your faith that much. We need things that are going to be engaging our faith more. But tongues is a good starter area. If you want to have the prayer fellowship, because again, this is an area we can spend a whole lot of your time, pray in other tongues. You can pray in other tongues for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours. You can pray in other tongues. Just pray in other tongues. You're going to come out feeling edified. But this is a starter area. This is a good area. Paul continued to pray in tongues. He said, I thank my God I pray in tongues more than you all. So even when he's mature and going on with God, he's still praying in tongues. You can get more in depth than in praying in tongues, but it's a good starter area. But there's got to be other aspects of it besides just praying in tongues. There ought to be some other things that are involved. But this is a good area to start off with. If you're not sure, you need to go into prayer fellowship with, with God. Just pray in tongues. Because that is the prayer fellowship. You are communion with the Holy Spirit. You are fellowshipping with God. And God will give you some things about it. I told you praying in tongues is my best study tool. And I have a lot of study tools, but that is my best one. If I'm having a hard time with understanding an area of Scripture or understanding what God wants to get into, I just get on that on my knees and I start praying in tongues. And I let on the inside of me things begin to form. I let Him begin to give me answers and have me open up my uh, my understanding. Praying in tongues. That's a, a good area. Here's another one. This one's not too hard either. may take a little bit more effort on your part than tongues does because you can go on with tongues and Holy Spirit gives you the utterance, you just keep on going on. This one takes a little bit more effort on your part and a little bit more faith, but it's still pretty easy for most of us to do. That is meditation. Meditation, not sitting around there with your legs crossed in a funny way, staring off into space going, um... That's not meditation as far as God is concerned. That's what man has come up with with meditation. Meditation is going over and over and over the Word of God. Over and over and over the promises of God. I had it put to me this, but Doug Jones put it to us this way when we were in school. He said, worry is corrupted meditation. So if you want to understand what, what, what uh, meditation is, you understand what worry is. Worry, you think about the problem and about the hundred ways it could get worse. And how bad it really is. That's worry. Well, meditation, you just keep on going over the Word of God. You keep meditating on that. You keep going over. You say that verse over and over. You keep reading it. You keep it before your eyes. You keep studying it. It's there. Father God, I am here fellowship. I need to understand what is going on in this area. What is happening with this particular thing? And he will, he will help you with that. He will open that up for you. Tongues and meditation. Here's the third one. Now the third one is a little bit more advanced. This is not something you would, you don't, don't start here. Start in one of the other two areas. This one's a little bit more advanced. Some Christians never come to this in their entire relationship with God ever. 
because it is an advanced area. It is a, it is something that, uh, it kind of scares some people. For some people will look at you and think you're nuts. For other people to say you can't do that. But you can. People have done it in the Word of God. If people have done it in the Word of God, then we can do it as well. Here's the third area. Discussion. Discussion. When you have a discussion with someone, it is when you say something and they say something back. And then you respond. And then you say something else and they say something back. It's a discussion. Moses had discussions with God. Elijah had discussions with God. Joshua had discussions with God. Enoch had discussions with God. Adam had discussions with God. They were talking back and forth to each other. Abraham had discussions with God. Isaac, Jacob had discussions with God. Joseph had discussions with God. He's saying stuff. God's saying stuff back. They're having discussions. Paul had discussions with God. John had discussions with God. We have them recorded in the book of Revelation. He had discussions. He says what he said. Wrote down. This is what I said. This is what God said back to me. And this is what I said. Mary had a discussion with God. It's written down for us. Joseph had a discussion. People have had discussions with God. That's a, a thing. Going. Now, some people had discussions with God where it is a voice that sounds audible. Some of them, some of the cases we had, they actually saw somebody. They actually saw an angel or they saw Jesus or they saw somebody and they had a discussion with a physical person. Sometimes it was just a voice and then sometimes it's just an inward voice. Three levels that you can have. It. You can have a discussion with God, one with an inward voice, one with a voice that almost sounds audible, and uh, third is an actual vision. Actually having a discussion with somebody. Commanding one of those, those three areas. But it's a discussion. But that most of the time it's going to be that inward voice. For me, almost all the time it's been that inward voice. It just comes up on the inside and, and you know how to judge the spirits. Tell whether it's of God or whether it's not of God. Tongues, meditation, and discussion. If you want to go in there and just have a discussion with God, you may, may not get very far. Because you don't quite know how to hear God. You don't quite know what kind of things God would say. So that's why you start in the other areas. But then you should get into this. You should have the goal. I'm going to have discussions with God. And how do you have that? Well, when God says something to you in these times, respond to him. That's real simple. I mean, how many times do you have to say that to, you know, guys and girls first starting to kind of kick it off with each other? And a girl comes over and has a discussion with a guy and he just kind of sits there. You got to kind of nudge him. Hit him. You ever see those movies? You know, the girl, the guy has a crush on the girl and the girl finally comes over and says hi and he's tongue-tied. He can't say anything. And the friend next to him, what's he do? Hits him. Elbows him. Does something. Get, come on, say something. (laughs) Talk. When God talks to you, respond back. Because if he talked to you and you respond back, what do you think he's going to do? He's probably going to talk to you some more. He's probably going to respond back to you some more. And why is he doing that? Because he wants to train you up on some things. He wants to educate you on He wants to open up your eyes to see some stuff. He wants you to get revelation, understanding, knowledge of him. He desires that. This is where it's going to happen. It's in the prayer of fellowship. You're going to have fellowship with God the Father. You're going to have fellowship with Jesus the Son. You're going to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
They are going to speak to you. They're going to say things to you. And when they do, you need to respond. But as you start off in tongues and work your way over into meditation, God's watching. How do you deal with this? It's like a first date thing. It's kind of looking out there. What are you doing with it? Because the one thing that will turn God off is when he speaks, us, speaks things to us and we treat them as nothing. We don't honor them. We don't do them. We just do nothing with it. Moses, or I'm sorry, Noah received a word from God. Build an ark. And what did he do? He built an ark. And they had him going for a hundred years. We don't know that God spoke to him at, any, at all in between there. Towards the end, he began to give him some other instructions, but that's a long time to go. When God speaks something to you, do it. And keep doing it. And don't stop doing it. Ever. Until he says to do something else. That's what you need to do. You don't quit. Yeah, but I got tired of it. It's not going to hold water with God. There are some things that are definite turnoffs for God. And that's one of them. If you want to keep having the fellowship time and going on, that's what you need to do. There's some people in the Word of God and they knew. They knew how to get this to go further. Daniel, he knew. He knew how to do it. And God looked forward to giving revelation to him to the point that God called out the warriors of heaven to fight a battle to get a message to one guy, one man. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that God would see it so important to get a message to you that he would dispatch angels in heaven, that they would fight a battle to get a message to you? Do you think there was any angels in a battle to keep the message from getting to Paul? Do you think there was any angels involved in getting the message through to Peter? You think Satan just said, ah, that's okay, it's not a big deal, just let that one go through. How about the message to get to Mary? You think there was any battle that was going on in there? We don't hear about it, but if there was a battle to get that to Daniel, I bet you there's a battle and some other ones too. And God wanted to get the the word through because it was important. The prayer of fellowship, your number one time that you, the, 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 most thing, the thing that you spend most time in in prayer should be in this area right here. And if it's not, or if you're not going in expecting anything, if you're not going in with faith, if you're not going in with the right things, tongues, meditation, discussion, you're not going to come out with what you want to come out with. But when you start coming out with the right things, you get excited and you want to go in again. And you want to go in again. I want to go in some more. Samuel heard from God. God cried out, Samuel, Samuel. And he came running in to his, uh, to his boss. <laughs> what you call me for, Eli? I didn't call you. Get back to bed, man. I'm sleeping. Don't bother me. Samuel, Samuel. What you want, Eli? I heard you calling me. Did you need something? You need some water? You need a warm glass of milk? What do you need? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Stop bothering me, kid. I'll tell you what. If you hear it again, say this. Yes, Lord. 
Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And the word came, Samuel, Samuel. What does Samuel say? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And then God spoke some words. And God did not stop speaking to Samuel to the point that God would reveal plans of the enemy to Samuel. God revealed men to anoint for office to Samuel. Samuel was so revered in the land that if he spoke, it was better than E.F. Hutton. People stopped what they were doing. What is he doing? An entire a king dispatched his entire army to silence his words because he heard from God and he spoke them. That's what awaits us if you'll do what's necessary, if you'll spend the time. God wants to develop you, bring you along. He wants you to have more knowledge of him. Paul didn't just pray that prayer and just expect it to happen. People had to pursue it. He wants you to have more revelation. He wants you to have more understanding. He wants you to understand things in Scripture before you need them. He's looking down the road and he says, in a couple of weeks you're going to need this. So I am ready right now to give you the revelation. Are you listening? Are you listening? And we don't show up. What happens? We don't get it. Suddenly we're in crisis mode. And we expect God to answer because we're begging and pleading. When God says, I was ready to give this to you before. We could have stopped this whole crisis. Now you're in crisis mode and you want to beg and plead. No faith involved at all. Nah, that's not what God wants. This is where your time should be spent. Think of it as going on dates with God. <laughs> and every time you go on another date with God, you understand more what that, to make that date fun. You understand more of how to get God talking. You want to blow your mind? Get God talking. Because God can say stuff that, oh, oh, wow. And God can, God can speak things in one sentence and blow your world, turn your world upside down in one sentence. Oh, what would we do to hear them? The prayer of fellowship. This is so important. This is where our time should be spent. If we spend more time here, we spend hardly any time, even being tempted in begging and pleading. Hardly ever do we ever even have to ask God for anything. The more time we spend here, the less time we have needs. The less time we spend praying for needs. Spend time praying for other people's needs. But we hardly are even in touch with any need that we have. This will open up things to you. This will turn your world upside down. If you can get it. If you spend time in there. How do you start? Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. But be listening. Always be listening. He is going to speak to you. I pray in tongues all the time. The reason I get up so early on Sunday is because I want a couple of hours of just praying in tongues about this morning. Because I expect... No matter how much I've studied, no matter how much I know about the topic that we're going to get into, I expect every Sunday for him to speak exactly what he wants me to, to, to work on.
to say to you. I have a pad of paper next to me at all times. And when he speaks something to me, I write it down. There are many times that the things that are in your outline were things that were spoken to me directly. I don't call any attention to it. If you want to reverence it, if it means something to you, then you, you do it. But there is not a Sunday that goes by that I ever come in saying, this is what I'm going to teach on without spending several hours just praying in the Spirit and listening. Because every time I do, every single time I do, He speaks something to me. We have conversations in the morning. I have discussions with Him. When He tells me some of these things, I say, all right, well, how do we do this then? What about this? Who is it that demonstrated that in the Bible? I ask Him these questions. And He shows me people. And He shows me things. And then I bring it out here to you. But He wants to speak to you. He wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to open up your eyes to see. He wants to have your ears ready to hear. And He wants to speak to you. Things that will change your life. Things that will change on your workplace. Things that will change what's going on in your neighborhood. He will speak things to you. doesn't mean everyone around you is going to respect it. Jeremiah got a whole lot of words from God. No one listened to it. No one did anything with it. And it didn't, do, didn't benefit anybody. There'll be those cases as well. But you know what? It wasn't because you didn't get it. It wasn't because you didn't say it. <laughs> and when you get up to heaven, God says, you know what? You heard the stuff I was trying to say and you spoke it. Enter into your rest. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Oh, those are good words to hear. Those are good words to hear. But we've got to hear what he is trying to say to us. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the blessing that you have given us in the prayer of fellowship. That we can fellowship with our Father God. We can fellowship with Jesus, our Savior. We can fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We can pray in the Spirit. We can pray in tongues and speak mysteries, things that we don't know about. We can also meditate on the Word and get our faith even more involved and get answers on things we don't understand. And we can go beyond that and have outright discussions where God is speaking into our life. Oh, wow. What a time that is. And none of these things came at a low cost for you. It costs you your son. We want to reverence that. We want to spend time hearing, listening, what it is that you desire to pour out to us. Oh, you want this. You desire to reveal more of yourself to us. If we go into your presence and pull out what you have and bring it to people who can't get into your presence. Oh, glory to God. That's what Paul did. Paul went into the presence of God, got stuff that other people couldn't go in to hear and brought it out for folks to hear. And that's what we want to do as well. Oh, we give you the praise and the glory for it. Father, we thank you for it. Help us this week to spend time fellowshipping with you. Spending our time fellowshipping with you. Oh, being effective in our prayer. Glory be to God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of the guys I used to listen to all the time, he said to us, God gave him a purpose for his life. And he said, your purpose is to spend time in my presence 
to pull out the miraculous and bring it to the people. That was something he did. <laughs> he spent time. He pulled out some miraculous stuff and he brought it to the, to the people. God has a purpose for you. He wants to speak some things to you. He, the, the words that God speaks, unbelievable. Yeah, you've never heard words loaded like the words that come from him. Never have you heard them. He has sometimes, when I'm in there in the shop, plain and wood, he has spoken some things to me in one sentence that sometimes... I've spent three months teaching in one sentence. How, does, how do you load up a sentence that much? I don't know. If I knew it, I wouldn't spend three months on it. <laughs> Man, he can load up a sentence. And God wants to load up some sentences. And he's got them ready. And he's waiting. Here's the thing with Daniel. When Daniel made that prayer and God sent the answer and the whole ruckus was going on in heaven. The thing of it all is, is that God had that answer all the time. He was waiting for someone to come into his presence and to ask him, how much is still waiting to come to you because you don't know yet to ask? Daniel was in God's presence. He just didn't know enough to ask that question. But as soon as he got the knowledge to ask that question, the answer is sent. As soon as he got that knowledge to, ask, to answer the question, the answer is sent. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. There's the answers waiting for you. Prayer of fellowship, this is where you get it. This is where you unlock it at. I hope you're excited to get in there to prayer of fellowship and spend some time. Glory to God. Before you all get out here and, and leave, Aside from fellowship with each other, I hope you do, which I hope you do.